Thank you for calling GayWire. Your call is very important to us. Press 1 for fourth wave feminism. Press 2 for a strangely in-depth discussion about where the worms have gone. Press 3 for... You have chosen option 3. Please stay on the line. Thank you for choosing option 3. You've reached Gaywire, where everything is at least a little bit queer. I am Joao Victor Krieger, but you can call me Jovi. My pronouns are they, them. I'll be your host for today's episode. You're listening to Gaywire, a production of CJSR 88.5 FM, located in Amiskatiwaskagan, or so-called Edmonton, on 36th territory and region 4 of the Magic Nation of Alberta. This week, you will listen to part 2 of Terrence Adams' interview with Ro Rose and Kota Rook, discussing somatic gendering practices. If you want to catch up with part 1, search for Gaywire on your favorite podcast platform. Before we move on to the interview, a few announcements. The community fridge outside of Earth's general store is accepting fresh and vegan donations. The fridge offers free food for people in Edmonton and is accessible at all times. We also recommend that you check out the 2022 Disability Filibuster in protest to Bill C-7. All the amazing broadcast sessions were recorded and are available on their website and YouTube channel. Just search for disabilityfilibuster.ca or disabilityfilibuster on YouTube. We also interviewed one of the activists, Kiel Lawrence, and you can hear it in our episode called Queer Grip Justice. Speaking of Kiel, you can help them with their funding campaign to get a new wheelchair. Head on to at QJustAladder on Instagram to donate. And now it's time for the interview. You will listen to Terrence Adams speaking to Ro Rose and Kota Rook about somatic gendering practices. Enjoy! I'm Kota. I use both uh, they and she pronouns. And we're both in a territory known as Jojage or Muniang, depending on the language. It's the homeland of the Genigahaga peoples and a meeting place for many other indigenous nations. And I am Ro. Um, I'm also on the island set of Jojage. Um, I'm an immigrant from the United States. Yeah. Um, would y'all be able to elaborate a bit about what somatic sex education is and the, the goals? I won't try to speak for the Institute, but um, for me and my work, I've gone through some pretty, for me has been pretty traumatic um, sexual violence and really struggled with finding access to specifically my voice um, with regards to sexuality. On the other hand, sexuality has been my biggest resource to remain connected to my body through my traumas. And so I um, have tended towards hypersexuality as a response to my sexual traumas um, rather than turning away from it. And adding a lens of somatics where I can focus on what is pleasurable in my body sexually and just have a practice of turning towards that over and over has been instrumental in helping me to then notice where I, where I often will endure, uh, where I often will continue to take on touch that 
actually is not bringing me pleasure and actually is not what I want. So I find somatic sex education a, a modality that gives me more information to notice in my body what's going on and as a mindfulness practice of something to stay focused on and grounded and with the person I'm with, even if that person is me, rather than checking out. Because kink allowed me to stay with my body post-traumas um, and through traumas uh, because it forced me to be with pain um, or it forced me to focus with service. And it also at the same time allowed me to lean into overwhelm, especially with pain, but sometimes even with pleasure. And that sort of like burying myself under the warmth of the sand was very protective and cocooning and warming and also did not allow me to feel the water. So I feel like somatic practices allow me to choose when I maybe need to feel more, need to allow myself or want to allow myself to feel more protected and let's say get under that sand and, you know, bury myself in pleasure or bury myself in pain um, or some beautiful combination. Um, but with somatics, I can also notice when that is cutting me off from having more access to increased pleasure or increased connectivity with myself or with other people. That felt ethereal and not direct, but I hope <laughs> I hope that lands somewhere. <laughs> so I my my somatic experience is often very imagery based. Um, so when I like when I was describing the paint hitting the back of my chest, I see that image in my body more than I feel the sensations, and so I'm I have a sensation that I can't explain with words. But when I imagine the image, for me, it explains the sensation and I'm able to convey that. So some people have more access to like the, you have a lot of like tactile sensation. I have more imagery sensation. Some people have, you know, other other things, other ways that they are able to access this. Yeah, them. yeah well, I, I like you telling your, your story and how it has been useful in your life rather than trying to speak for the, program or the institute so I'm going to take that route too I like that <laughs> um, for me I get really excited about all the different practices and avenues to learning to feel desire in the body or feel yes no and maybe for me I really use sexuality as a way to connect with desire via other people's desire and really kind of outsourced my inability to have much of a, an experience in my own body. And that was so helpful for many years. And then at a certain point, it wasn't feeling helpful anymore. It wasn't feeling like enough as the only or primary strategy I had for engaging with desire. And so finding ways to, yeah, prompt myself with different inquiries and, and just finding different little avenues and entry points to like, what do I like? What do I want? And those questions, sexual or not, often felt really overwhelming. And then there would be a lot of layers of feeling about why that was overwhelming and it would just kind of collapse in on itself. So finding gentle inroads to like, yeah, having a better sense of what I like and want, which to me feels like really revolutionary, important work. But there are a lot of reasons and systems in place to prevent us, us humans in general, but some more than others, you know, depending on what you're up against, like 
feeling connected to our desire, which really feels like a life force energy to me and feels really connected to eroticism, whether or not that's connected to sexuality, but just our sensory experience of the world and how our bodies respond. And a lot of information I had accessed around, you know, communicating with partners or navigating sexuality was around like how to communicate about what you want with the assumption that you already knew that. And it was like talking about it that was hard. And I'd read those and just be like, now I just feel more broken like that. I need a starting point. That's like 50 steps behind that. And I don't even know what that is or where to, where to like, I don't know what to Google to find that. <laughs> so um, that has been one of my focal points in our shared work and my separate um, work and learning is around. Yeah. Really getting familiar with how can we get a better sense for what we enjoy, what we desire um, before we even think about what does that mean in a relationship or what does that mean and how we communicate about it. Yeah. And I, f- I feel that the desire is a very queer experience also, which has been very motivating for me. If I get into spaces of like, oh, this is my, like, who cares about my pleasure? Like that I have lots of access to lots of things. Why do I need to hone this skill? I should be spending my energy elsewhere. Um, yeah. I think that any kind of daily baseline desire is a starting point for building like what like if we can't envision the world that we wish to live in, what are we going to do? <laughs> you know? How are we going to get there? Yeah, yeah, we need that. We need that creative, visionary, like heartbeat and pull towards something we want to be able to make it happen. And I see that coming up in our <clears throat> um, gendering work a lot too, is like, it might feel tiny and insignificant to be like, which piece of clothing do you want to wear? Or um, what name feels good or whatever aspect someone might be exploring with their gendering, but being able to feel the subtle cues of yes or no, or interested or disinterested or like gray area. Can we get curious about the uncertainty or the neutrality or the numbness is a life skill, like whether we apply it to gender or other things that I think is really important. And um, yeah, that's part of capacity building for me and part of what excites me about this work. So that's one thing that somatic sex education can help guide people towards. I think of it as like we use meditation for a lot of different things, but one way to use meditation is to just notice, just notice what thoughts come up, right? Because the thoughts we use to think other thoughts makes a big difference. So if we want to have a practice of turning towards pleasure or follow our black feminist sisters and move towards speculative ideas, like then it matters what thoughts we use to reconsider. So I, I like to think of somatics as a way to remind myself to not use these false constructs of gender to compare the ways in which I am gendering, because then I'm just relying on, you know, we're, we're back to th- this is how this was built. And then I'm relaying it. Like that's not going to get us where we need to go. You got to let that go. So when I am noticing in my body, what happens when um, let's, let's say some, somebody misgenders me, um, then that, that same sort of protective bodily response, I know it's going to show up in other places. And when I get used to noticing that showing up, then I start to see it in places I didn't even realize it was before because maybe it's much more subtle or maybe it's just little parts of it, you know, but it helps kind of give me more guidance and pointers to make sure that I'm increasing my practice of moving away from comparing what I'm doing to what I've been handed. And instead remembering that I'm actually creating this dance for myself 
and I don't have to pull from the stock moves. If I were to speak more broadly, I think, to my understanding of somatic sex education, not necessarily directly connected to our work or to gendering, I might also add <clears throat> that to me, something that's exciting about somatic sex education is understanding that sexuality is complex. It touches many other things in our life. And there are some supports and resources around sexuality never enough because we live in a very sex negative culture, especially you know, relevant resources for queer and trans people that are accessible. But the ones that exist are, are more often sort of talk therapy oriented or, or other modalities that are more cognitive, which are incredibly valuable and super important. And also when we don't engage with the body, which is where a lot of our sexuality is experienced there's this massive piece that's missing and it can be hard to bridge if we only have access to more cognitive or talking based modalities for support I think there's so much, especially body-based work involving another person, whether that's touch-based or just having a witness or someone guiding verbally or whatever it is, that way that nervous systems co-regulate and, and meet each other. That can be really powerful to combine those things of learning how to feel our bodies more deeply, how to have a sense of our desires, how to communicate about some of those things. And yeah, just bringing in the body as another source of wisdom among many that is very profound and very marginalized in the cultures that we have both been brought up in. If only we could normalize sex work. <laughs> There's yeah. so much fucking wisdom there. Yeah. So then how do y'all carry these, these values forward in, in the uh, work and services that you provide and also what those services are? Uh, for me, one thing I love about this work is that it's really focused on meeting people where they are. And so if we can just notice that we're all in different places and start with the practice of being comfortable with the fact that where we're at, even if we know we want to change it or not. I think that for me is one of the primary values of this work that I love and adore and constantly try to make sure I'm centering uh, because we have to have the practice of, of that in order to be content in the next place, you know, not necessarily happy, but at least have contentment because as we move through our life, you know, things are constantly shifting. Like, like I, I, I don't have any sense of aiming for gender euphoria because to me, that is a fixed point. Um, and to me, it's, a way of being that I can tap into through my own actions, um, not necessarily a place. So I think centering, yeah, centering that piece is really important to me. And then the sex positive is huge in my work. It doesn't always come to the picture um, because not everybody is there, you know, or wants to be there, um, which is awesome. Um, but it's for me, it's Super, super, super important. And I love it when I get to bring that piece into my work because it's a huge value of mine personally that um, I enjoy sharing with clients. And I think queerness just generally, to me, queerness is knowing that I'm creating this flow with what I've got in this moment and what I have access to and what I'm resourced enough for and what I feel safe enough for. And I can practice having compassion for the fact that sometimes I have more or less of that than I might wish or want. And I can just keep showing up with the best parts of myself. Resma Menikin 
and talks about, I love that phrase, showing up with the best part of yourself. And, and that is how I think of it is like, what have I got to give, you know, and, and, and sometimes we need to conserve some of our energy and sometimes we've got more to give. And, and can I try to have a practice where I'm showing up with what I've got increasingly? Uh, because I do know that I, I can see where it, it models for others and it supports others when maybe they have less. And if we're all able to do that work increasingly, like it's a marathon, not a race. So that queerness for me of showing up in the ways I'm able and I want to say demanding, but I won't. <laughs> um, I want to say demanding, but instead I will use um, crafting, crafting the ways that we know that we're able to show up best and not conforming to the world if we're able, but instead demanding that the world just be in the ways that we are being. Sorry, I feel like I started just waxing poetic into <laughs> kind of half sentences there, but. <laughs> Imagery-based sensory experience. I know, I was like trying to, I was feeling myself going off into like feeling and, and I was like, oh, I'm losing words now. <laughs> I can do that sometimes. If only I liked writing poetry. I feel like <laughs> one day, got another decade to work on that. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. Um, Coda, did you have anything that you'd like to add? Yeah. Well, one thing that comes to mind is a phrase that comes up a lot in the somatic sex education world is choice and voice. You know, I talked a bit about the accessing embodied desire um, and the kind of next step of that is finding ways to um, support and empower ourselves and each other to be able to articulate those things, whether physically or vocally or whatever it means for us to communicate our, our boundaries, our desires, our uncertainties. Uh, we bring that into our workshop series in a few ways of, of inviting people to queer their participation in how they show up in the space, inviting them to bring her as much or as little as they're able, asking people if there are things we can do to support each other, to create a space that supports them bringing themselves in the ways they want to, um, and really trying to be consent-based in creative ways. Mm -hmm. um, which I also bring into my, I'm a, a body worker, massage therapist with mostly queer and trans community. And that's really an important part of my work there as well when engaging directly with the body is is wanting to bring a lot of explicit consent but not in a way that's just like i talk at you a lot and then you sign something <laughs> like you've received the information downloaded and now we move on but really trying to integrate it and in ways that i'm always tweaking and changing so that's one thing that comes to mind as as pretty foundational to any kind of work that's done with other people or with the body is like yeah accessing desire and then being able to articulate what we what we want with that information other foundational pieces that's a big one i think also just um yeah really celebrating difference and really celebrating people wherever they are that like no matter where someone is even if where they are is a challenge there's something to be celebrated there if they're willing and wanting that you know celebrating at someone doesn't go over very well so not <laughs> wanting to make assumptions of like that's going to be helpful for someone but at least offering invitations to ourselves and others that like we can restory a lot of aspects about things that we're experiencing and how they mm -hmm. impact us. And mm -hmm. yeah, really wanting to support people and ourselves and figuring out where are the, where are the spacious places, where are the pockets of agency and choice and where can we take back some of the story that's been told for us or that's been placed on us and make it into something more like what we want it to be. I'm, I'm thinking about back to Catherine Jesse and like the choice and voice, the 
piece of this work that I am so fucking over the moon joyous about and excited about and so heartbroken about because of pandemic and not having access to people um, and so hopeful about because the world is moving is pleasure mapping, especially for trans bodies and this practice of allowing myself to. So I've, I've done a variety of different types of sex work. Um, and especially in full service and pro-dom work, I really fell in love with negotiation and I really fell in love with um, getting people to voice what they wanted very specifically and finding creative, fun, playful ways to open them up because that would, you know, even if somebody is paying for exactly what they want, that doesn't mean that they have access to ask for it. So often I notice. Um, and so I just always tried to bring a lot of like lighthearted, playful, open curiosity. And it was so fun to watch, watch people go from guarded and unsure oftentimes, or sometimes very confident to some, some different state. You know, often I found with like super confident folks, it ended up in a, oh, actually I want this and I didn't know how to ask for it. So I was overcompensating by like really being sure about this other thing. <laughs> you know? So that's much of my experience. Um, or somebody just doesn't really know how to ask for what they want, which is something I've struggled with a lot. Uh, and with pleasure mapping, I get to be, I think of myself as um, a pleasure boy and somebody can set an intention with me of something they want to explore. Uh, let's say uh, post or pre-top surgery, somebody is wanting to ex explore their chest in a different way um, than, than they've had other people explore it before. And so I get to be the conduit of energy. Uh, I get to be the, the pleasure bot that they program to live attunement and listen to their body and acknowledge it and check in with them and listen to their voice and encourage them and celebrate those moments or be with their complexity or be with their grief or just not lead and not follow, but just guide together. We get to guide the process together of exploring and figuring out how they might want to engage with their chest differently or how they want to engage with their chest in the same way and trying different things and exploring and, and learning because so often we don't take the time to do that work with ourselves. And so it's helpful to have not just an accountability partner, but one who's got some guiding skill sets and a ton of like queer trans love to just pour into somebody through my hands and body. That is the work that I haven't gotten to do a lot of through this iteration of erotic work that I'm very much looking forward to as the world shifts and changes. That's something that I've loved in the past through my various sex work yeah, and just kink in general and queer sex in general because King Yakinson. But I have a negotiation fetish. <laughs> I, I honestly, I think that's um, amazing. And there's so many things that like, while well, you both were talking that I, I uh, resonated with, because the, the whole reason that we, that we connected is um, I, I saw an ad somewhere for, for a workshop that you were hosting and I took part in it. And it was the first time that I had ever done any sort of mindfulness exercises that didn't like immediately 
make me just get out of here um because everything else I just didn't want to do it I thought it was like the worst thing but um and and so something that that I think was really important about the the, the ways that you were talking was the way that everything was was an invitation rather than an instruction I guess and so yeah I just wanted to to say that I really appreciated the the ways that you do those uh and then what uh and I just would like to know what your hope is for those who come to your workshops. Like what, what do you hope that people feel when they, when they come online or in person? Oh, I love that question. Oh, so many things. <laughs> so many things. I mean, I don't want to say for people, but I know what I want to feel. I love the moments when people in our workshops and spaces connect with each other and that has happened really organically like people building off of each other's ideas or asking each other questions about their experiences or relating about things but in this very thoughtful way that doesn't make a ton of assumptions like I love seeing that develop especially right now when people are so hungry for community and a lot of people have gone through a lot of shifts in their sexuality or gender relationships through pandemic and maybe haven't ever had access to queer or trans or sex positive mm -hmm. focus community. And so getting to curate some of those spaces for people who have either been missing them or have never had them and are just exploring them is so cool. I love hearing when people come to us and tell us like, oh, I had this experience um, right after your workshop, this hard thing happened with work. And I remembered one of the exercises and I tried it and it was really helpful. And then I was able to come back in in a different way and that I wouldn't usually be able to, like when people bring it, the, the whole like the whole purpose for us is being able to take these teachings and learnings and skill shared pieces off the mat right so not just being able to, like if we're talking about meditation not just being able to meditate and be a really good meditator but then lose access to all of those skills when you're engaging with your roommate or you're at work or someone you have an interaction on the street or whatever happens like what is the bridge to be able to take those incredibly valuable um, practices into our day-to-day -day lives? And so when people tell us that they're finding ways to do that, that feels like, okay, we're doing something that people are able to take away what we're hoping for. And that is like extremely encouraging every time that happens. And I would say, I would say specific to that, like the querying of it, you know, like the, the letting it be known that like, this is not the specific way you need to do this. You just need to do it. However the way you need to do it for you, that's what you need to do. doesn't matter how, just do it, do it your way, you know? And I think that bringing the like creativity and playfulness and encouraging people to like, if all it is, is this little tiniest little piece that you take from this, if that's what you do, we're excited about it. That's awesome. Good job. Like, that's great. Do whatever you want with it, you know? And some people just like go off and shoot for the moon. And like, that's just equally as fucking awesome like whatever it is for you just do the work it's beautiful it's so cool to see that yeah i, lo I love love watching people make it their own mm -hmm. that's my favorite that's my absolute favorite i really struggled in like um and a lot of what feels like nice white lady dominated north american somatic spaces i've really struggled um because i feel like the baseline is often down regulated and like go back to meditation you know and i'm like i just want to die again like i'm like i'm not choosing to be here for this um and i think it's it's missing the well it's missing a couple of things but i think the speculation i think the the creativity and i think overall the queerness of, of just like it's making sure you're with your body 
And only you know how to do that. So it doesn't make sense for anybody to say, this is the way. Like here is a path, you know, forge your own through there. But I love the image. I so often think of um, in Disney's version, I think the first um, Alice in Wonderland, there's a moment where Alice is like in the dark. And um, I think she's talking to the Cheshire cat. And he's like, you just have to do like, She's like, where do I go? There's nothing. And, and I, th- I think he's, I've got to go back and watch it. But, um, and they're saying like, you just have to move, you just have to do it. And once she starts moving, then her path right where she's at lights up and that's where she's at. And I think of that as like, that is the contentment. That is the work. It's just, she's being and doing in that moment. And that's what she's able to do is take that step, um, whether it's tiny or a leap. Um, and then as she's moving, you know, each little area lights up. And I often think of this work like that is, can you just make enough movement in your own way, right where you're at right now, even if that movement is in stillness, um, to just really be with yourself and be present. Oh, I got so excited thinking about, yeah, I get really excited thinking when people are just like, this is how I did it. And I did it my own way. And I'm like, please tell me all about it. It's so insightful to see how people like queer this for themselves. I love it. And so more to that when people are in spaces with us and we've offered some piece of like either political framing or we've, you know, shared a little piece about like polyvagal theory or some somatics, something way of understanding things. And people will then tell stories about past experiences and they'll kind of reframe it with these new pieces of information that Mm -hmm. we can see it being useful Mm -hmm. in how they're making sense of their experiences. And that's also really cool to see people take those pieces with them and, and then, yeah, bring their own stories that they can watch them reweaving them in our presence. This mm-hmm. is so exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, reweaving. I love that you use the term reweaving. Sometimes it feels like encouraging people to like pull out their yarn and they're like, are you kidding me? Do you know how long I've been stitching this together? And we're like, I know, but you could always stitch it back together. You know, like, look at this weave, look at this thread, look at this yarn. Um, and then watching like people, I'm saying, <laughs> you, you didn't even like that color. Why are you wearing it? And I don't know, because I put so much work into it. Okay, well, um, and giving people safer space and ways to like maybe shed that and, and consider, a you know, okay, yeah, let me pick up a different yarn that feels better on my body and a different, I can create a different shape. And yeah, that, that restoring is, is, it feels like magic in the making, truly, truly, truly. Yeah, and those are the moments that I really feel like capacity building individually and collectively is possible and it's happening and we can do this work together and we can take the ripples into our lives and that will affect other people. And like, mm-hmm. let us ripple all over mm-hmm. and and be a part of, you know, eventually become seismic change. Like let's play our little tiny part in that and it can be really powerful. We never know where people are going to take things. Yeah. Um, well, thank you both so much for speaking with me. It's been like an hour, so I don't want to keep you too much longer because, you know, it's Zoom fatigue, conversations, emotional labor. Um, but thank you so much for everything that you've shared. I think that we're going to have to talk again sometime because between the two of you, just there's just so much love and care that you put into this work and it it definitely um, comes through when you talk about it and I love hearing about it and I hope that um, Gay Wire listeners will as well. Um, so then to sort of finish this off then, because um, our, our overarching theme that we've been uh, looking at for a couple episodes is the idea of, of self-care to 
assist with community care. So is there anything, you mentioned it a little bit at the end there, Coda, but is there anything more that you'd like to, to say about that just to close us off here? Yeah, I mean, I think we're just echoing what so many others have said. And you mentioned Black feminist wisdom earlier, like that we ideally resource ourselves to be able to show up more fully with and for each other, right? So it's, I'm sure this is what what's coming up in your, your um, series as well, but it's less about like, let me take care of myself and just feel better, period, the end like why like why do I want to be at my best or why do I want to move forward and it's ideally to connect with others and be be, be able to share that resourcefulness with my community I would um, actually want to point back to Resma Menikin's My Grandmother's Hands his last book oh no he just came out with a new one but um because I think there's like at least two or maybe three chapters somewhere like between 15 and 18 or something that like he really gives a lot of exercises for co-regulating collectively, especially in groups. And he's, he's a somatic therapist and there's some great examples there. And one thing I love about about that collection was it just lit my brain on fire thinking about all the ways in poly community and kink community and leather community queer community like the ways that we queerly co-regulate um and so i i would say like not just thinking about this as like individual somatics but thinking about it as collective somatics like that to me is like, I see that, you know, and I'm like, yes, I went ahead in that direction. Like there's so many pieces that we can just bring to when we, let's say, have the habit of calling a friend and saying, whoa, I've got something like, what's your capacity level? I need maybe like 10 minutes and I just need to rubber ducky it out. Like I don't even need a response. Can I put it here? Do you have capacity? Can you offer this? Um, that kind of like mindfulness of just negotiating the ways that we tend to ourselves with others and then imagining that in like a group setting you know I don't know to, to me it just like the possibilities I think it's so cool and encouraging to think of as we do this work and then we start to do it with our loved ones and friends and then strangers and and then seeing those ripple effects and in, in, in conjoined co-regulating ways like yeah yeah, absolutely. Thank you again so, so very much for everything that you shared. Um, where can people find you online if they want to learn more? I am at somaticgendering.com or at somaticgendering, Facebook and Instagram. Yeah, um, you can find me on mostly on Instagram at uh, soulskin.somatics or soulskin.bodywork for my massage practice. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you would like to share with listeners before I stop the recording here? I think just thank you. I've really, I've really appreciated going through um, your, your Spotify of, of, that was my access point um, for your episodes of the, the self-care that's building into community. And it was just so heartening to hear so many beautiful voices offering just different ways, you know, just different ways that we can, we can increase that capacity. And it was really encouraging and beautiful. So I'm, I'm thankful to have been able to be a part of that conversation. Yeah. I'm very thankful to have connected. This has been, this has been wonderful. That was Terrence Adams talking to Ro Rose and Kota Rook about somatic gendering practices. To follow Ro and Kota's work, search them on their social medias at Somatic Gendering for Ro 
and at Soul Skin Somatics for Cota. Today's show was produced by me, Joao Victor Krieger, Ash Halinda, Artemis Beasley, and Terrace Adams. Gaywire is a production of CJSR 88.5 FM in Amiskatiwa Skygang, colonially known as Edmonton, land which has been home and traveling ground for many indigenous peoples, including but not limited to the Blackfoot, Anishinaabe, Nakota, Sioux, Sautu, Deni, Cree, and Machis people. We encourage you to think critically about the structures of power we reside within and what you can do to challenge le the legacies of colonialism. You can follow Gaywire on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Find us online at gaywire.transistor.fm. We are also on Facebook and Twitter at Gaywire and at Gaywire CJSR on Instagram. Let us know what you think of the show. Hit the DM sometime. Or if you'd rather be fancy, you can email gaywire at CJSR. And you never know, you just might get to be a part of the show. Our artwork is by Travis Erickson. Original music by Doug Hoyer and Catherine Hiltz. Until next week, keep it breezy and... Please stay on the line.